Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. You're looking good. Palm Sunday, all of our campuses, all of you watching online. So glad you're with us. Hey, a couple things before I get into the message. Um, This week on your way out at the info centers, we have a few of these Holy Week devotions. Now, the, the, the best way probably to get this is to go to hopefellowship.net slash Easter, and you can pick up a PDF here. You can go to our app. It's on version. If you have version, just search Hope Fellowship Devo- uh, Holy Week and scroll down and you'll see it. Um, we'd love to take a journey. I was not raised uh, with the tradition of, of, of the Stations of the Cross or Holy Week activities, right? It wasn't until later in my years that I even knew Monday, Thursday existed. We just didn't do that. Easter happened, and, and that's okay. It was great, but I feel like I missed some things. And, and so I want to encourage you or invite you with me to prepare your heart for Easter. Don't let it just happen. Like, oh, it's another Sunday, except there's way more people, um, way more parking. You got to reserve your seat. Some of you are really irritated about that. Just, you know, my dad always said, get glad in the same britches you got mad in, right? So... Take that for what it's worth. But I, I want to I invite you to prepare your hearts for Resurrection Weekend. Um, and so you can do that with our devotionals. Um, they're really good. Our team wrote them, and uh, it's all through this week. And then Good Friday services. So we have two of them. You can also go RSVP for that. Uh, we have one at 12 and one at 6.30. All of that information is here. You can QR. The, there's a QR code. Right now, while I'm talking, you can uh, scan in on that. If you have an RSVP, we'd really appreciate you doing that. Not just for our guests, but it's for you too. So that every, every one of us who walk through these doors has a great experience. No one wants to sit in overflow. We have two of them reserved, but nobody wants to sit there. And if all of us will do our part in RSVP, uh, I know it's a little bit different. I know it's kind of a bummer, but it's really easy. All you got to do is pick what service you want to go to, RSVP. And if you can, you know, this 9.30 and 11.15 window, that's the most optimal time people will come to visit an Easter service. So if you could go to a Saturday uh, service or even an earlier or later service, that would be awesome as well. But you can do all that at uh, Easter at Hope.net or uh, yeah, Easter at hope.net and sign up, get all the devotionals. Everything about Easter is there. Invites as well, so invite a friend. Um, today, we're in almost finished with the book of John and uh, this gospel, we've called it John, a cast of characters because we're looking at different encounters that Jesus had with people in the gospel of John. What did he say? What do we learn? What, is, what did those encounters teach us about the character about the purpose of Jesus in our lives, not just theirs. And today will be no exception. But if you're just joining us, here's where we've been in the last uh, you know, couple months. John, uh, we started with uh, week one with Jesus, the deed and humanity of Jesus. Then we talked about his disciples. And then we talked about uh, the sick. And then we talked about uh, Nicodemus, uh, religious leader in John 3. We talked about oh, the women, not just the women, but women that Jesus encountered in the book of John. We talked about the religious leaders that Jesus encountered. We talked about the friends that Jesus encountered last week. I talked about Judas. Today, 
we're going to talk about Peter, one of the most important disciples. And let me just give you a little background uh, about Peter. A lot of you know Peter uh, or have heard about him, but his real name is Simon, son of Jonah or son of John. He was raised in Bethsaida, which is the Sea of Galilee area. He was a fisherman by trade. Probably Peter was in his early or late teens, sorry, early 20s. So late teens, early 20s when he started following Jesus. Now, I know many of us view Peter with a gray beard, uh, and maybe he did have one. I don't know. Some people gray early. But he was probably in his late teens, early 20s when he started following Jesus, and he was a bold, uh, outspoken uh, part of the inner circle of Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They were there for the transfiguration. They were there for meetings that Jesus would have when he would just talk to them. He was a tremendously influential person in the, disciple, the, the discipleship relationships with Jesus. His brother, Andrew, was also a disciple who actually brought Peter to see Jesus. Now, Peter, again, was the only one of the disciples to get out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. I find that really, really uh, interesting that of all the disciples that were in that boat that night, Peter was the only one willing, and he was the first one to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, spoken by the Spirit of God. Peter was one of the main leaders of the early church in the book of Acts. Uh, I know we, a lot of us know Paul and his leadership and influence in the later part of the early church. Peter um, was a tremendous leader and influence in the early part of the early church. He wrote First uh, and Second Peter, um, as well. And then it was, it's thought that he was tried and convicted in Rome, hung upside down on a cross uh, for following Jesus. So Peter has a, a, a very interesting life and a very, he's a very interesting character in the gospel of John. And, and where I want to pick up the story, and here's where we're going for the rest of our message. And I'll, I'll get a little bit to Palm Sunday and, and the, uh, the, um, the, 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 the circumstances surrounding that, but um, we're going to pick up Peter's life in John chapter 13. Judas, last week, we picked up in John 12 and 13. Today, we're going to pick up Peter in John chapter 13, and here's what's just happened. There's the Last Supper. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's told them to love one another as I have loved the church. He has uh, told the disciples, really virtually called out Judas and who would betray him. And now we find this conversation with Jesus and Peter. And I want you to kind of pay attention to the first part of the story because we're going we're gonna to look at the first part of the story and then we're going to go to the end of the book in uh, John to talk about the end part of the story, and then we'll pray, all right? So um, John chapter 13, Last Supper, here's the conversation between Jesus and Peter. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, that before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, 
this, obviously, Peter, earlier in this chapter, refused to get his feet washed by Jesus. Jesus finally talks him into it and says, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. And so there is no question that Peter's heart was in the right place. That, that unlike Judas, who had decided early on, in my opinion, early on in his following of Jesus, that he did not really believe in this message, that this was not going the way Judas thought that it would go as far as Jesus establishing the physical kingdom of Israel. So his heart had turned many, many years ago as far as following Jesus. Peter believed with all of his heart that he would die for Jesus. He believed that he could go anywhere with Jesus. I'll die. I'll go to the ends of the world. However, when Peter gets under pressure, he operates and we operate differently when under pressure. And we're going to find out what exactly he would do when stress comes his way. I want to borrow from the Gospel of Luke the rest of this story. Jesus, remember, says, you're not going to die for me. In fact, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. Here's the story in Luke chapter 22. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. This is Jesus. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this, this, this man was, was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. First one. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you, you must be one of them. No, man. He's from California. No, man. Dude, I'm not. Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you were talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, now this is the worst part of the story. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. You ever, you ever got that look from a parent? You know, or a, a spouse, very disappointed. Very disappointed in the decision that you've made. Very hurt. There's not even anger. There's just a disappointment in what you've done. And, and Jesus looks at Peter the moment that he denied him three times, the rooster crows, and suddenly the, Lord, the, the Lord's words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So we have the first part of the story. Jesus and Peter talking. I'll die for you. No, you're gonna deny me three times. And in the moment, in the pressurized situation, in the stressful situation, Peter does exactly what Jesus said. First observation, I'll borrow from the words of Jesus. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Peter truly believed. John chapter 13 back. Let's just go back there. He truly believed. I'm ready to die for you. But we find that under pressure, under stress, under potential death, Peter would rethink his commitment. And many of us, many of us, I would say, have a willing heart to follow Jesus. But the discipline that it takes to follow through sometimes is very difficult. For, for instance, do you remember this, this story with the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And knowing this guy, this young man, knowing that he's done pretty good, he's followed the rules. Jesus said, well, obey the commandments. And he says, yeah, I've done that since I was a kid. Then, listen, Jesus goes to the heart. He goes to the heart. And he says, well, then sell everything that you have, knowing that he was wealthy, and give it to the poor and come follow me. That's the only time Jesus ever said that to anyone. I don't, I don't think it's, you know, everybody's thing to go sell everything and, and, and go, to the, go to the ends of the earth or whatever. Maybe he calls you to do that. Maybe he doesn't. But the fact is that he told this guy, hey, you lack one thing. And how the heart at the beginning what must I do to inherit eternal life? Is there anything left that I need to do? Because knowing his track record, knowing his spiritual history, he was feeling pretty good about where he stood until Jesus goes to the heart. And what meant more to him than following Jesus were his possessions. The example of Paul in Acts talking to King Agrippa and having multiple conversations with the king, and, and, and the king is saying, I'm almost persuaded. Palm Sunday, the people, the very people who days later would scream, crucify him, crucify him, days before were worshiping, laying palm branches and clothes down so that Jesus could triumphantly ride through Jerusalem. My point, guys, there's many times in which we feel like we want to serve God. We want to do the right things. We want to be in the center of his will for our lives. But when the stress comes and when the pressure comes, we choose differently because we don't have the discipline that it takes to make the tough decision. The spirit is willing. We have a good heart but the discipline to follow, the discipline to say, I'll die for you and actually do it, is not there. Second observation. Self-preservation is real. Let's go back to Luke chapter 22, verse 60. Here's what, here's what happened. But Peter said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about, and immediately he was still speaking. While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. So what gripped Peter was the fact that he could be arrested along with Jesus and possibly die. Those were, he was not a dummy. He knew what was happening here. Jesus had foretold this to his disciples, just finished talking about it, so it was fresh on Peter's mind, and everything is coming together. Everything is, is making sense now. 
Jesus arrested, betrayed by Judas. They're all standing there watching, knowing, oh my goodness, he's going to die. If he's going to die and I associate myself with him, I'm going to die too. Self-preservation is real. And what I mean by this, for us, Peter, was a, it was a physical fear. I'm going to die. We don't have that fear here in our country. And I know many parts of the world, there, there's that fear. None of you got out of your car today in the parking lot and was looking around, making sure nobody saw you. None of you got, you didn't even think about walking to a house of worship. None of us feared being arrested for walking. So so I understand that that the the physical fear of of what gripped Peter and the the self-preservation, preserving his life was real. But I think we have a self-preservation as well, and it's a spiritual fear. Listen, we don't want our lives to change too much. The, 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 the pressure or the seriousness of following Jesus is real. We understand it. Many of us have a good heart, but we don't want our lives to really change all that much. We want to preserve what we have. Let me put it on the screen like this. We want eternal life later, but we want the world right now. Does that make sense? We, we want... Yeah, yeah, I want to be saved. Yes, fire insurance, right? Nobody wants to go to hell. Get it? Okay. okay. That's so old. I can't even believe you're laughing at that. Okay. But, but, but you, know, you understand what I'm saying. We want him to be Savior, but we're not necessarily ready for him to be Lord. In other words, we don't want to, and I'm not, again, I'm not preaching legalism here. We're saved because we put our faith in what Jesus did, not because of who we are and what we do, okay? So don't misunderstand me. However, talking about purpose here, you look at Peter, you look at Judas. You look at the heart of Judas, you look at the heart of Peter. Peter had a good heart. Many of us have good hearts. Now, some of you are Judases. Okay, great, you got a bad heart. Jesus can change that. Some of you are Peters, you have a good heart, but the self-preservation You don't want to give up everything. You you don't want to sell everything. And neither do I sometimes. Luke chapter 9, Jesus describes following him like this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Right there, some of you are like, nope, I'm out. I want my way. Some of you are my way kind of people, type A personalities. That's okay. You got to lay it down. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, preserve. I, I want to hang on. I want Jesus, but I also want me. I want eternal life, but I also want this world and what it has to offer. If you want to Hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? But you yourself are destroyed. What am I saying? Does this this description of following Jesus look like our lives? Put up, 
give up your own ways. Put aside your selfish ambition. I think the NIV says, put aside your selfish ambition. Shoulder your cross and follow me. Does this look like you? Does this look like me? Paul describes discipline this way, discipleship this way. First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse 23. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Because otherwise I fear that after I've taught everybody, after I've done all this stuff, I myself might be disqualified because I lack the discipline to follow up on my commitment. Does this description, I have purpose in every step, I train my spiritual man. Does this look like us? See, before we're too hard on Peter, because isn't it easy to look back at things, you know, characters in the Bible and go, idiot. Golly, well, I mean, they were so dumb. You know, I think any time you, you begin to look back at a character, I just hope that you see a mirror. Because as we looked at last week, a lot of us are more like Judas than we thought. And a lot of us are like Peter. The only difference between Judas and Peter was the heart. Peter wanted to do good, but even he didn't do good. Judas betrayed him. Jesus, uh, Peter denied him. Three times. I don't even know him. Because, because he wanted to preserve. And many of us want to preserve our way of life. And so... If there's anything that comes to take that away, whether it be the government or whether that be Jesus, we protect. That was a good place for an amen, but that's okay. I'll go to number three. I'll go to number three. Here's the third observation. I heard it at the, at the West Campus. Thank you, guys, over there. The inclination to move backwards after failure is real. Okay, so now we come to the second part of the story. So Peter's had this conversation with Jesus. Jesus says, you're not gonna die for me, Peter. You're gonna actually deny that you even know me. And I'm sure Peter was offended because he got offended easily. But yet he found himself denying Jesus. And that look, as soon as Peter denies him the third time, the rooster crows, and Jesus looks at him, and Peter's heart sinks. Just like Judas's. When Judas realized what he had done, his heart sank. And he was so remorseful. Peter realized what he had done, and his heart sank. The inclination to move backwards after failure is very real. John Chapter 21 now. Okay, so now we're fast-forwarding to the end of the story. John chapter 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. The two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going Fishing. 
I think those were very important and powerful words. This is all Peter knew. But remember, Jesus says, hey, Peter, Simon, now I want you to fish for men. And Peter drops the nets and follows Jesus for three years. But the moment Peter fails, he goes back to what he knew. I'm going fishing. And then everybody else, because he's the leader, will come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. This was the only thing that Peter knew. And in the midst of failure, many times all of us are like this. When we fail, we go backwards. In other words, I'm not good enough to do this. I've disqualified myself from ministry. I'm nothing but a mess up. Let me go back to what I know. Let me go back to what I was before. And, and this is, isn't this some of us, I can hear it, I can hear the many times that I've talked to people in the lobby or been to lunch, I can hear it. You don't know what I've done, John. You don't know who I am. You, don't, you see the good me, but you don't know the bad me during the week. You don't know how, how I struggle with this or with that. You understand what I'm saying? Many of us are, are, are in this, every week we come in here, every week and we go, man, I wish I could do that, but I have already disqualified myself. I wish I could really do what I wanna do for God, but I, I know what kind of person I am. And the inclination in failure or in continual failure is to always just go backward. Is to stop going forward, realizing that if I keep going forward, I'm gonna mess it up even more. And people are going to really find out who I am. So Peter announces to his friends and his disciples, and he says, hey, I'm going fishing. Oh, oh man, well, okay, we'll go too. And there they go. That's what they know. Let me, let me put it on the screen like this. Are there any failures in your life that you're allowing to hold you back from pursuing God's purpose for your life? You don't know you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I struggle. You, you, don't, you, you just don't know the pain. You, you don't know, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, all of these things. Guys, I, we're in good company here. All of us feel this way a time or two. But some of us, we spend our whole lives living right here. And we keep going, God has something for us. God has something for us. God is calling us. God is saying, inviting us to the journey, inviting us to a different way. But we know our inclinations. We know our failures. We know our heart, but no discipline. We know what it's like to be us. And because of that, we hold ourselves back, even go backwards from pursuing what God has invited us to just like Peter. Fourth observation. Jesus can make beautiful things out of our failures. Jesus can make beautiful things out of our failures. John chapter 21, verse four, the rest of the story. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, 
But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side, right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were, there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, <laughs> which I find it interesting because it was John who wrote this, and John was the disciple he loved. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, now here's, here's the turning point. Here's the turning point. Judas, when he realized what he had done, ran and hung himself. When Peter realized what he had done, he temporarily went back to what he knew. But as soon as Jesus came on the scene and he found out that Jesus was on the shore, here's the difference between Peter and Judas. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. That is a powerful part of the story. Let me just tell you something. Many of you are scared to death of standing before Jesus. You've you've heard this, right? We're gonna all stand before the Lord, not for judgment, for, for the things that we've done. Good and bad, what lasted will get rewarded, what doesn't will get burned. And we're just like, hey, can we skip that part? I'm just good getting in. Just put me in the back 40 and I'm good. Now, Jesus could have been on the shore. Could have been on the shore. Watching the disciples from the shore. Catch anything? No. Throw it on the other side. Knowing that when he said that, they would know who it was. Because Jesus had a tendency to tell them, hey, on the other side. And he was a carpenter. So they knew he was, had to be kind of, a, kind of God, right? And he's just like, okay, I know who this is. And so when Peter gets out of the boat, instead of finding Jesus on the shore going, well, Peter, how are you feeling? Pretty lousy? Yeah. You know how that felt? You know how that felt when you denied me three times, right? I mean, we, we, we kind of look at it as this, this, this kind of conversation, possibly the conversation, but that's not what happened. He had breakfast ready. And let me just tell you something. Those of you right now in failure, you just think your life is a mess up. You just think it's been your whole life this way. You have a good heart. You want to do right, but you find yourself failing, failing, going back, failing, going back, failing, going back. And you're just like, man, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just going to stay right here. This is what I know. I'm just going to fish and let John, John, you, you take care of the rest because you're paid to be holy. Right? You just do, you do that and I'm going to, I'm just going to do what I do. I'm going to just tell you something. Many of you are you're living in your failures when Jesus has breakfast ready. He's like, no, 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 I've got, I've got things for you to do. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There 
were 153 large fish, and yet the, the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, I envisioned this in a private conversation. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Important question. He tackles it right off the bat. Hey, are you gonna keep fishing for fish or are you gonna start fishing for men? what I've called you to do. Do you love me more than these? Peter replied, you you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, how how many times did Jesus, or did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus restore Peter? Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Again, he's that, he's sensitive. Jesus was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, well, then feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Do what I've called you to do. Don't just sit here. Don't just go back to fishing. Just don't go back to your deal. I've got things for you to do, and I can make beautiful things out of your failure." I can use you in your, in your human, humanity. I can use you in your boldness. I can use you in your put your foot in your mouth. I can use you in your type A personality. All the, all the, all the type A's said, yes, amen. I, I, I've got beautiful things for you to do and Peter would change the world. Why? Difference between Peter and Judas. Peter let Jesus restore him. Judas didn't. Nobody in this room, nobody at McKinney, nobody at Prosper, nobody at Frisco West, including the campus pastors, are perfect. Nobody is without failure. We all have self-preservation ideas. We all have tendencies to say, yes, I'll die for you, but then don't. Does it make sense? Guys, let me encourage you. He invites you to breakfast. He invites you to the table. He invites you to allow him through your pain, through your sin, through your failures, he invites you to be restored. Don't keep saying no to Jesus' breakfast. He can do beautiful things through your life. Lord, you have a way of taking our lives, the the mess that some of us are or are in, you have a way of making, making it work. It's hard, it's messy, it's not perfect. We fail, we deny, We self-preserve. We fall back. But if we will allow you to restore us, you can make beautiful things out of us. Today, 
I pray for every single person in this room that needs to allow you to do beautiful things in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.